Once you understand the scriptures are the breathed out word of God, the will of God, listen to what they're useful for. They're useful for four things, for teaching, for conviction, for correction, and for discipline, training, and righteousness, he says. Once you understand the scriptures are the breathed out word of God, the will of God, listen to what they're useful for. They're useful for four things, for teaching, for conviction, for correction, and for discipline, training, and righteousness, he says. Teaching. Here's where you learn the principles of decision-making and living from the Word of God. Don't look for it in circumstances. God will teach you through his Word. Don't look for it in some kind of special revelation. God will teach you what you need to know in his word. You see, God's word is not here for us to put on the shelf in some kind of a fine leather binding with a beautiful gold edge to it so that we can look at it and see how pretty it is. But this says it is breathed out by God and is useful. It's to be put to use in everyday decision-making, in everyday living. It's to be put to use. Profitable doesn't quite say it. Useful is the word. The scriptures ought to be constantly determining what we do and what we say and where we go and what this body does and what this mind thinks. The scriptures are the guide for living. They teach us all things necessary for life and godliness. You don't turn to circumstances. You don't turn to ideas of men. You turn to the Word of God to know how to live in such a way as to please Him and love your neighbor. No other place. The Scriptures teach you all things necessary for life and godliness. Everything that has to do with loving God and everything that has to do with loving your neighbor, everything that has to do with pleasing God because you are doing his will is here. All the principles that will box you into your options, they're all here. Now, the scriptures then teach us what God requires of us. But secondly, they convict us. That's the second word, and it's an interesting word. It comes right out of the law courts. And it means to so prosecute the case against somebody that he is convicted of the, the crime of which he is accused. The word of God comes down with a finger, and it puts its finger right on us, and it says, you're guilty. You have not done what I have told you to do in the scriptures. You have not observed my will. You have gone according to your own ways. My ways were here. Your ways were there. You chose yours rather than choosing mine. You have sinned. The scriptures continually finger us. They continually point the finger of conviction and they continually shut our mouths so that all we can do and all that we can say before our God is your right, Lord, I didn't. I'm guilty. I plead guilty. It's a law term. It means to so prosecute 
the case against somebody that he is declared guilty of the crime of which he was accused. That's what that word means. Anybody here has ever translated Licious's orations? Anybody here ever have to do that? Greek class anywhere? Well, Licious was a logographer. That is a ghost writer who wrote speeches for people who had to go to court and give their own speeches. In those days, you didn't have a lawyer do it for you. You had to get up there and speak yourself in court. And a lot of people didn't know which way to turn or what to write. And so speech writers, ghost writers had a field day. And Licious was probably the most famous of all those speech writers. And somebody gathered all of his speeches together and put them in one book to persecute second-year Greek students with. Well, I was persecuted one time and went through those speeches of Licious's, and again and again this word, this court term, occurs, and that's what it means. To accuse and prosecute the case to the place where the person is declared guilty. Some of your versions have reprove or rebuke or something like that. That's far too mild. That isn't what it's saying. The scriptures say, here's what God required of you, and here's what you did. You lived here, he said you ought to live here. You're guilty. You did not do what he wanted you to do, and they show you your guilt. Now, the scriptures don't leave you there, smashed down on your face, guilty. They don't leave you at that point. As you continue with the scriptures, the third thing happens. They correct you, and that's a wonderful word that means to stand up straight again. They pick you up, they dust you off, they get you out of the messes you get yourself into, they turn you around and they head you in the right direction again. But then they do one more thing. If you stay with them, they stay with you. And they continually work on you until they discipline the new biblical alternatives, the new ways of God, the principles of God into your daily living. You know what you have here? A process of change. Four steps in a process of change. A standard by which to know what God's will is, the scripture. A standard that convicts you when you fail to live according to it. A standard that shows you how to get out of your mess through repentance and confession of sin. And a standard that shows you how to stay out of those messes in the future if you only adopt the new ways of God. Four steps in a process of change. But is it enough to really effect change that pleases God? Don't we need fleeces and don't we need something else? Don't we need the circumstances of life? Don't we need open doors? And don't we need revelations in the sky, in the configuration of the clouds and voices in our ears and dreams and so on? Don't we need something else to tell us the will of God? Read the last verse. The scriptures are breathed out by God and are useful for these four purposes in order. To make the man of God adequate. It's the first way he says, says it. To equip him fully. That's the second way he says the same thing. For every good task, that's the third way he says it. He knew we wouldn't believe this. He knew that we'd have a hard time accepting it. He knew that we'd want to add something to it. He knew that we'd say, yes, but. He knew that people would think that the scriptures were not sufficient for life and godliness. So three times in three different ways he says to us, you got everything you need there to please God and love your neighbor in life. All the principles, 
All that you'll ever need are here in this book if you'll only find them, if you'll only look for them. The man of God is adequate. He is equipped fully for every good task. Tell me what that means if it doesn't mean that the scriptures give you all you need.